Last week, we, uh, if you were here, we gave out uh, little numbers. Just real quickly this morning, can anybody share with me uh, how it went when you followed through? We talked about uh, open door of ministry, and we had certain, uh, there, was, there were five different things that we were to do. Anybody have a chance to share a little bit about how it went? Some of you got money, some of you had, had a chance to invite people over for dinner. Uh, talk to me just for a minute. I know you're, you're quiet, but uh, you can warm up a little bit. Anybody? you let me know when, I'll, I'll be at the bus. To, no, <laughs> no that, that's awesome. Good. Someone else. Thanks, Laura. That was the, the top prize. Each, each service, we had a $50 bill in one of the numbers, and uh, that you could use it to, to go, go through an open door. Somebody else. Good, that's awesome. Open door ministry, thank you. Anybody else? Mine was to pray for someone and let them know then what yeah. I did. Yeah. Uh, another situation kind of like that my friend went into with that. Hmm. So I was able to pray for him and then let him know and he said they got him. Good. That was my encouragement. Yeah, it's perfect. Nice. Nice, thanks, Lynn. Anybody else? Yes. I get it. Yeah. Good. Good. Thanks, Barbara. Yes. Somebody else. Kind of getting on a roll. Tim. Anybody else? Charles Swindoll said that the number one spiritual battle, and Charles Swindoll is a, just a famous preacher, writer, he's a guy that I've just admired all of my ministry. He said the number one spiritual battle that we fight, that we struggle with, is spiritual blandness. And you know, I thought about that as I, as I read that in one of the things that he, that he wrote I thought through that a little bit because it seems to me like there are so many glorified spiritual battles that we have to fight. And we, you know, I started listing some things that I'd heard over and over again in my ministry. And then I came back to this statement about spiritual blandness, and it made tremendous sense to me because that's where a lot of us live. If you think about it, you think about when you first came to know Jesus, and there may be some of you this morning that have never had the opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart, and we're going to give you that chance at the end of the service. So you can be a part of this, but for those of you who remember the time when you asked Jesus to become your Lord and Savior, and He came into your heart and life, there was this incredible uh, sense of newness for most of us. And, and it didn't happen for everybody. It might, some of you might not be as emotional as others, but there was a time where it just felt like you and I couldn't get enough of the knowledge and the love 
and the information about Jesus. And so we were like sponges. We just soaked it all up. And it was exciting. And every day we had a new question. And, and, and let me just share with you, if you're ever around somebody that's just come to know the Lord, it's really fun because you just you kind of get to grow all over with them. But you remember, they're, they're just, they're just, you, you just felt like every day there was something new that was going to happen, and so you got excited. You know, I liken it to a lot of things in our lives. Uh, when we first got married, you know, you just were getting to know each other. And I'm going to be careful here because, you know, you, you get to know each other, and it's just exciting, and, you know, the new phrases and the new personalities and all the things that are going on, and, and, and then it kind of takes a little different turn, just like our spiritual walk. Suddenly we cross over a threshold knowing Jesus, and then we get to a place where we think we know him so well that we just kind of do things normally, that we just think are normal. Same, things happen, same thing happens in marriage. For those of you who have kids, man, your first baby came, and they just, I mean, it's just amazing how beautiful that baby was and all the things that you did with that baby. And I, I think in our house, we took, uh, probably you've heard me say this before, a million pictures of Brittany, and we just thought this was great, and we had our little video camera. And your second child comes along, for those of you who have two children, and we took about a half a million pictures of Brady and not quite as much video and we have a third child named Chad, and I don't think there's a picture in our book. We just never took any pictures of him. It was like, oh, he's a third kid. You know, he's going to do whatever he wants. And, you know, people are going, he's eating dirt. Good. Just, you know, figure it out later. You just kind of, you, you go through these stages where suddenly, and, and it isn't so much that, that you know, it's, it's a tough thing to do, but I like the way Swindoll says that this spiritual blandness can happen to all of us as we go through our lives. We have had seven, this is our seventh one, so we've had six really, uh, what I think are impactful uh, times in the Word going through the seven. We, we titled it Overcomers, because that's what we need to look at, and that's what, when Christ spoke through John and, and, and shared with the seven churches, what he began to say was, hey, here are seven different phases that the church, and these were different areas, are going through that, that you can relate to. And so, I mean, we went through a uh, I think we, there's a. I think my next list is kind of a review. If I'm not too far ahead, yeah. Ephesus uh, lost the first love. Tough, uh, tough thing to think about because and we had some some great thoughts out of that one. Smyrna was the effects of suffering and how it would, it plays a part on your life and mine. And and sometimes we just get locked into a same old, same old, and we just feel like this is the way life's supposed to be. And and he talked to us, Pergamon. There was no compromise. Absolutely no compromise. You, you got to stand firm. You got things going around you that you need to stay strong and true, which is a message that you and I can relate to. Thyatira was standing against corruption. We talked a little bit about some of the corruption that's happening around us today in our world and how important it is for us to stand against it, but also to, uh, to do it in a loving way. Because the minute a tone comes in, the minute a label is put on, we are suddenly put in a corner and then it's tough to find our way out of there. So we sometimes just become quiet. We talked about the church of Sardis was just basically to wake up. Just to wake up. We just became a, it's like the light's on, nobody's home, and we're just kind of floundering through life and nothing's really happening. And, and Christ says to his church, it's important for you to wake up and begin to realize what's going on around you. Last week we talked about the church in Philadelphia, which we called it an open door revival. But as you look through that passage in the third chapter of Revelation, you see that what he's talking about is there's an open door of ministry. And what we liked about that, that fact was Philadelphia was a small uh, group of people that were really struggling to, be, to show God's love, felt like they were doing everything they could do for him. And Christ said to him, I place before you an open door of opportunity. 
And I believe that, that some of us can relate to that today because we feel like we do all kinds of things. We're busy. We are weighed down. We've got all these things that, that are in front of us from families we have to take care of to work situations to neighborhood situations and, and maybe physical. And, and, and he says to us, I place before you an open door of opportunity. And that excites me. Which brings us today to the church in Laodicea, which um, is just a, it's an interesting church. In fact, he starts out in the 14th verse of the third chapter, and, and today you're going to write your own notes on the back of your, uh, your bulletins because we had no copy machine, we had, everything was down, our computers were down this week, and so we just played around all week, just kidding. Very proud of my staff, my staff worked extra hours with some great people in our church that came over and painted and, and just did, moved, and, and uh, man, we, we have a gift in Aaron, because he just kind of, he did the whole bathroom by himself, which was just amazing. So when you see Brian and Heidi and Aaron, just tell them, hey, you look a little sleepy today. Thanks for all your work because it, it was a big week and we're, we're not quite caught up yet. Here's what he says in, in the 14th verse. He says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. The first thing that you want to write down this morning is this, Christ's qualities. Christ's qualities. And he uses it in three forms. He says, amen, which means so be it certainty and validity of his word. When he says that, he, he, as he dresses the church, he's kind of setting them up. He's going, I'm the amen. And the amen is, these are my words, so be it. They are words that are words of truth we're going to see in just a second. But, but here's what I'm saying, and here's where we're going to move. I think back through times in my life where I met people who were just good with a handshake. They're just good with a handshake. We did some, some business with a, a, a family as we bought the property on Holly Lane. And they were totally comfortable. They had never met me in my life. And they, they, we, had, we had raised money through, through grants or through pledges. We just decided to, to borrow the money from them and pay them back through our pledges, which was amazing. Oh, we'll just shake your hand. They never met me. It's, it's your word. So be it. If your word's good, we believe it. Now, I, I simply said, um, I know me. We're going to have a lawyer. So we just made sure we, we wrote it all down and did it legally. But that's, that's kind of a fun way to live. It's like, your word is good, so be it. That's what he says. He says, I'm the amen. My word is good. Another quality that he talks about is, I'm the faithful and true witness. And again, he's explaining it to this church, and, and I see it as we've talked about it in several other churches, he's kind of setting us up. It's kind of like, okay, man, he's telling me his word's good to me, he's the true and faithful witness, he's consistent and he's reliable. And I, I wrote that down, he said he also reminds them of the truth, faithful and true being, bring consistency and reliability. Christ is reminding us of the importance of staying true to him because he is the truth. I think about that a lot as I look at our, our world that we live in. And I listen to so many people, and so do you, who are searching for the truth. They want the truth. They want you to tell them this is exactly what's going to happen. They want you to point it out. They want a plane to fly over with a banner behind it saying, this is the truth. So you can go, yes. And here's Christ saying to us, I'm a true and reliable. I'm a faithful and true witness, rather. The, first, the third thing he tells them is, he said, I'm the ruler of God's creation. <clears throat> Creative source of the entire universe. I'm, he's the ruler of God's creation. So what he tells them is, he's been there from the beginning. Christ was there from the beginning. His creative ability and the fact that he is over the entire universe is extremely important. If you are a, I believe in facts and I want to build my foundation on the facts type of person, then you look at these three qualities this morning of Christ and you say to yourself, that gives me the assurance to believe in him. 
and believe what he says is true and to follow what he tells me to do in my life. But the people in Laodicea were not quite aware of where God was taking them or where, where this, this revelation was coming to them because they were kind of going, oh yeah, no, this is great. We know these things. We know that his word is good. We know that he's true and faithful. And we know that he was around since creation. And then all of a sudden, he lets them know where they're living. Revelation three fifteen to 18 says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Let's talk about Laodicea just for a minute to kind of bring into focus these last verses that, that we, we just read. Laodicea was between Lycus and Colossae. Lycus had, uh, it was known for its bubbling hot springs and Colossae was known for very cool, refreshing springs. And right in the middle was Laodicea. And the interesting thing about Laodicea was that, that there was no springs in that town, and so the, the water that flowed came together, and, and they said one of the things, that it, it came over a 300-foot cliff, and they noticed in the water that there was this alkali covering that caused a certain, if you've ever been around alkali, you know that there's a certain smell that happens. And as it rolled into the city of Laodicea, it was actually lukewarm visitors would come, they would take a cup, they would reach down into the springs, they would take a drink, and it was so lukewarm and, and tasted funny that they would immediately spit it out of their mouth. Why do you need to know that? Because in his revelation, Christ shares with the people words that they can totally relate to about being lukewarm. There's lukewarm water, there's a, the chance that they know that when people drink it, they spit it out of their mouths, and they know that it's very, it's just sickening to, to drink. Laodicea was known for three things. They were known for their financial wealth, and so they were a very wealthy group of people. They were known for their textile industry. It was a fine black wool that was made right there, and everybody knew that if you wore that black wool, it was from Laodicea, and it was also kind of a, you know, a, a higher level of, of quality. And they also had developed or discovered or in, invented, whatever you want to say, popular eye salve that people bought all over because it helped heal them and it helped take care of certain things. So they, those were the three things that they were known for. So suddenly we see that, that as Christ shares with them, he brings words that have meaning to them. What words this morning have meaning to you and I? Is it words when Christ speaks to us through his word, through people around us that, that relate to where we live, suddenly we, we kind of sit up and take notice? And that's what I think he's doing this morning to the church at Laodicea. The second area we look at are, are lukewarm qualities. We, we talked about Christ's qualities, now we look at lukewarm qualities qualities. In fact, I think I gave you the wrong one because since my, uh, it's Christ qualities, yes, they're, they're both the same. I, I mistyped it. Anyway, there's three things that I see this morning about lukewarm qualities. The first one is this, lost values. The people at Laodicea had lost values because they were so comfortable, they were so well-to-do, they had so many things prepared for them and, and available to them that they just didn't real any, realize anything. Listen to Proverbs 30 verses 7 to 9. It says this, Two things I've asked you. This is Agor writing in, in the book of Proverbs. O Lord, do not refuse me before I die. <clears throat> Keep falsehood and lies far from me. 
Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. The church would begin to take their mind off of Christ as their total wealth began to place their trust. Because of their total wealth, they began to place their trust in their own abilities. I've got everything I need. That's part of spiritual blandness. And he goes on to tell us that. The second thing that we see here, and and it's funny because it worked in with my little outline, but it's called lost vestures, which is clothing. And I want you to hear what he says. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. You heard Revelation. He talked about they were poor, pitiful, and naked. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Their clothing apparel was big to them. And it was important for them how they looked and how they dressed and where it came from. It was brand names. I I remember one of the first times in my ministry, my wife bought me a shirt. And it was a very, I won't even tell you the brand name, but it was a very popular brand. It cost us a ton of money. And I worked a youth group that night. It was 35 years ago. And when I, it was longer than that, I got in there. And uh, the first thing in high schoolers, I just love them to death. They're so brutally honest. And they just looked at me and said, what are you, working at the, the garbage dump? They, they, thought I was, they thought my little uniform looked like that. Now, if that's where you work, I, I like your uniform because I spent a lot of money for this thing. I was crushed. I, I, I went home and I said, dear, they just ripped me. It was just kind of this thing. Clothing is very important to people. You look at the, the, the where, where we live, and, and I mean, I'll say things like, well, oh my goodness, have you, guys, have you ever priced your wives' purses lately? Oh, I mean, there's a, there's, a level, there's a level here, there's a level here, and there's one I can't even reach where you go into these stores and I'm going, you're going to pay that much money for a thing this big. It's kind of, it's bizarre, but, but that's, and again, you walk down and, and some women are going, yes, I've got this purse and I'm pretty cool, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, you're cool. But uh, that, that's what he's, tell, he's talking about. He says, we've got we to clothe ourselves with things much more important. Do not go home today and say, hey, Pastor John, rip me for what I, my purse or what I'm wearing. That's not my point. What I'm telling you today is he, he's sharing with us there's a, there's a part of spiritual blandness that moves us into the realm of things like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And then when he says, bear with each other and forgive, forgive, us one, forgive one another overall, put on love, the question I have for you this morning is the same question I have for me. In my times of spiritual blandness, when I clothe myself with what Paul reminds me in Colossians, where is it that I'm emphasizing? What am I, what am I looking at? What's important to me? Or am I just simply saying, you know what, I, I, I'm, I've arrived. The third thing I see this morning is lost vision. He says in Revelation 3.20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Laodicea needed to see clearly as they realized what was affecting them. The true eye salve from Christ would help them see their state of spirituality, the spiritual blandness we see over here. They're blinded to things that are going on around them. They need to see from this true salve that he gives them all they have in Him, we need to do the same thing. Plus, He gives us a vision for a lost world. 
When's the last time you, you ventured out of your front door and said, you know what, God, who is it today that you want me to, to encourage, to reach, to, to show love to, to be able to, to reach out in, in a positive way? And it even talks about what I'm going to say to them, because as I, I'm involved in spiritual blindness, I can convince myself that I don't need to say any words, that I don't need to ever enter into a conversation, that I don't have to defend anything about the name of Christ, because you know what, they'll figure it out on their own. Spiritual blandness allows us to slide into a rut that convinces us that we have lost values, lost vestures, and lost vision. And the saddest part about it is we are happy to live there. Hear me say this morning that the Holy Spirit has the ability to talk to you about where you need to live. I'm not here to put you on a guilt trip. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that these are all the things. Because when you look at Laodicea and he says you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. Those aren't just kind of words you go, hey, you know, pretty good. I mean, you can't be spiritual bland, spiritually bland and read this passage. You have to realize that he's addressing where we live. And the thing that I continue to remind myself is that, that when I am lukewarm, who are the people that I'm not letting see the light of Christ as they live around me? And that always challenges me. Now, here's, here's the good news. I'm not standing in front of you this morning and saying to you, this is a terribly difficult thing to do. I'm just simply reminding you as I'm reminding myself that spiritual blandness is something that, that God gives me the ability to, to move out of. And in fact, in this passage, he reminds us how, how we overcome that. Revelation 3.19 says this, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here's what I see. These are quantifiers that I think we need to look at. The first one is to be earnest. Be zealous. Eagerly desire Christ. And that he has, what he has, it's supposed to be what he has to offer. So as you and I learn to be zealous, and every day we say to ourselves, God, what is it that you have to offer to me today? He begins to share with us in, in a variety of ways. Taking the spiritual blindness right out of our lives and beginning to see, hey, John, here's the first person you need to concentrate on is your wife. Show her your love. How about your family? Show them your love. Begin to encourage them. What are you saying? And we begin to, to work through that. And then he says, he'll say to us as we step out the door, here are people who need to see us living in a way that, that the light of Christ is available to. Now, some of you are looking at me this morning and saying, John, that left my life a long time ago. It's much easier for me just to kind of be comfortable, to not say much, to not really get involved in discussions. I got to be honest with you, this is one of the most challenging times in my life to talk to people about Jesus because of where they come at me from and how they come at me. And the, the theories that they give to me and the foundations they've built in their lives, it should give me such a desire to excitedly engage with them. And yet sometimes when I do, I just get blasted out of the water. Which again, reminds me to keep my tone and just be able to keep it level, not get too excited and begin to, to engage them in conversation. One of the things that, that I notice in, in our conference full of ministers is we have a lot of young ministers coming in we have other ministers that are getting older and coming out. And one of the things I desire for them to do is to engage in conversation with each other. Because this group of people, the younger people, have a definite opinion about what it means to live for God. And so do these people. And wouldn't it be fun to just be able to dialogue about it to see where we can get the best out of these guys and the best out of these guys and begin to continue forward serving God with joy. And yet what happens is when these opinions come out, and when these, I know you can relate to this because it happens in your homes, they're so overblown and so dramatic by the time you get to what you think is the truth, you're done because you're either ticked at each other or you don't want to say anything because you just think the other side's so stupid. You've never met anybody so stupid. I, I get that. The second thing that he tells us to do this morning is maybe you don't get that. That's okay. Repent. Repent. He says, 
Changed mind and will. That's what repent means. Remember metanu, the Greek for repent. Get serious about your walk with Christ. If there are some things this morning that you and I know that we need to repent about, and we need to say, God, you take this from my life, you forgive me, you remove this from me, as far as the east is from the west, then I will move forward and see you work in my life. Some of you are looking at me and say, John, it's so obvious in lives of the people around me what they need to repent about. And I'm sharing with you this morning, guess what? It might be just the same way if you look at your own self as I look at my own self. The things that I need to say, Lord, forgive me for, are as obvious and I don't recognize it. I don't realize it. I like that word metanu because it's, your, it's a changed mind and will. And as I repent, he's going to change my thinking. And then I wrote overcome. And overcome to me was uh, out of Colossians 3, 1 and 2. He says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. If that's where you're struggling this morning, in the area of spiritual blandness, then take these two verses out of Colossians 3 and realize that he's asking us to set, set our minds and our hearts on things above. Okay, I'm going to go to meddling here from preaching a little bit. When's the last time you turned your TV off? Open the word and just said, Lord, speak to me from a passage. Or you turn your TV or your radio or your music off and you said, God, give me a prayer time that I can just, and, and I, I got to write it down because I start wandering about all the people I pray for and I think about them and I want to get back to, to the list that I want to pray for. When's, that, when's the last time you did that? That's, that's this opportunity to set your hearts and your minds on things above. When's the last time you said, okay, here's a, a, a book I want to read or here's a, a, a person that I want to listen to because I believe they're going to they're gonna help me understand what it means to set my mind on different things, not on earthly things. It's that simple. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. It's that simple of an opportunity for you and I. And, and it's very, very important for us to realize. I pack my life full of so many things. I get so busy. I get so worked up. How are you sleeping at night? Are you waking up in the middle of the night because you've got so many things going on? Or can you say, Lord, you're standing at the door and you're knocking. I'm going to ask you to come into my heart once again and give me the, the peace that only you can bring. The 21st verse says this of the third chapter. To him or who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. What does it look like this morning for you and I to be overcomers? Have you lost your first love? Are you so weak right now that you've just kind of lost your desire and passion to live for God? Have you allowed compromise to, to rule who you are? Things that you know and that I know that God has told us exactly how to live. Have you allowed those to be a, a part of your life? One of the things we deal with in spiritual blandness is this word called entertainment. We do things to be entertained. We do things, and, and we're all human. We want to do things that make us feel good. I don't want to wake up every morning and, you know, and, and I try to do my workout in the mornings and I'm just thinking, that's what I look forward to every morning is wake up to a workout? Yeah, but, but it's, not, it's not like I just think this is great. I want to do the things. I'd like to turn the TV on, maybe get a little cup of hot chocolate and just kind of relax a little bit. I'm not saying that he tells us to, to do all these things only because they're terrible for us, but what he's helping us understand is that spiritual blandness gives us the ability to get strength from him. Standing against corruption. Is God telling you and me this morning to take a stand against corruption? Is there things that we just need to... to and, and you know what? 
part of it is just reaching out. Last week, just going through an open door of ministry and saying, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? I had a chance to pray for you, and the timing was perfect. I took, uh, you know, I'm going to take uh, things to people in need, and we begin to see that God uses those things in our lives to get us out of spiritual blandness. Do we just need to wake up? Do we just need to simply say, you know what? I, I'm sound asleep. I'm very ineffective. I'm not doing anything. I've, I've filled my life. I've filled my mind. I've filled my thought life with everything that just kind of put me right here. And I look at this, the church that he, tell, he tells, just, we just need to wake up. Or do you find yourself this morning realizing that what God's telling you is there's so many more open doors of ministry that you and I can stand that can go through? I can honestly tell you that as I look back over my life with Christ, that some of the times that he has blessed me the most are through things that I have desired the least to be a part of, that I was the most afraid about to enter into, to, to involve myself with, to connect myself with. And as I look back, those are the ones that have brought me the greatest joy, and I've learned so much more out of those things. And, and the list is endless for me. And then this morning, do you see yourself fighting that number one spiritual battle which is spiritual blandness. And, and the good news to me today is that he tells us that, hey, I'm at the right hand to sit with, come and sit with me at the right hand of the throne. I overcame and sat down with my father. Jesus has been there. He knows what it means to be an overcomer. If you're discouraged, if you are about ready to give up, he says right this morning to us, here's the good news. You can overcome. I thought I was going to end with, with this little exercise. I used to do it in youth group all the time, but I'm going to just kind of give you the chance, even if today I don't know if you have a pen or if you want to go home and do this, but on your, the back of your bulletin, if you want to just put the letter H and a line to the letter C. So hot to cold, and where do you see yourself this morning? Where do you see yourself on that scale? And, and when we would do it in youth group, I'd hand out little pieces of paper, and they'd hand them in, and we literally would just say, hey, this is where our youth group is living today. We're either lukewarm or we're hot or we're extremely cold. And it gave us the opportunity as leaders to know, hey, this is kind of where we want to share the promises of Christ. So as you do that little scale this morning, and, and you're honest with yourself, you don't, you don't necessarily have to show anybody. You just look at it and you say, okay, God, this is where I see myself today. And if the spiritual blandness is such a part of my life, would you help me to be earnest and to repent and to overcome so that I can step to that next level? God has incredible things that he wants to do through us. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful this morning for uh, the fact that you love us so much that you, you give us the ability to live for you. And as we ask you to forgive us and to uh, take our sins and to come inside of us, and, and even as your word says, to eat with us and us with you and just begin to fellowship and have a relationship and, and develop that as we go through every day of our lives. We are so grateful this morning to see that. Holy Spirit, as you speak to us in, in these closing moments, would you again reveal to us areas that we can give to you so we move out of that realm of spiritual blandness. Thanks so much for your love. Thank you for how you speak to us and how you work in us and through us. In your great name we pray. Just stand with me this morning. Before we head out the door today, let's just sing this song we sang earlier as a reminder as we seek the Lord. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's 
no place I'd rather be here in your love, here in your love. No. Uh, give you a chance just to respond to the Holy Spirit in your life. So if you just bow your heads with me real quickly, this is not one of those mornings where I'm going to um, drive home something other than this. The question you have to answer in your life this morning is, A, do I know Jesus as my personal Savior? Or B, do I know Jesus as my personal Savior and I've slipped into a spiritual blandness state of life? Or C, I'm on fire for Him. And wherever you see yourself, my encouragement to you, my challenge to you this week is to go forth and say, God, you use me in a great way. I love His Word. I love the truth of His Word. I love the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the ability that He has to share with us right where we're living. And that's where I'm, I'm going to give you the chance to leave this morning, to respond the way He wants you to respond. If you need to pray with someone this morning, find us. We'd love to pray with you. If you need to pray through something, we'd love to do that. If you need to get a hold of us, find us this week, and we'd love to, to talk. The Lord bless you as you're dismissed today to be on fire for God. You're dismissed. <laughs>